Can I give you a warm welcome to the next in our series of short podcasts on 1 Peter. My name is Tim Carter and I'm here with Ian Rose and Julie Shimizu. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul invites us to praise God for the glorious grace which he's given us in his dear Son. By the blood of Christ, he says, we are set free, that is, our sins are forgiven. How great is the grace of God which he's given us in such large measure. So can I invite you to listen to the song, What Wonder of Grace Is This?, and reflect on the truth that the God of all grace, the God of your salvation, is present with you now. God, thank you that you will never walk away from us or leave us in our need. Help us to walk each day in the knowledge of your love. Help us to look for your direction in the course of each day. Help us to listen for your voice, showing us how to live and what to do. Amen. Psalm 85 verses 8 to 10 says, I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants. But 
let them not turn to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. That's a beautiful picture of reconciliation, of God making peace, of God bringing his peace into our world. And where things have gone wrong in our lives, then lovingly, gently, graciously, God wants to set them right. And where we've gone wrong ourselves, God wants to forgive and restore us. Can I invite you just to take a moment to be quiet in God's presence and to say sorry for anything that is making you feel guilty or ashamed? And can I lead you in prayer? Lord, we confess that we've sinned and that we have no hope but your forgiveness. And so we ask, in hope and in trust that your love, your perfect love made human in Jesus Christ who walked among us and who knows our every hair on our heads and every movement of our lives, that that love would speak quietly to our troubled souls. You say, I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. And so, rejoicing in the life of Christ and in the joy of the Holy Spirit, we ask you to restore us anew and shape us in your ways. Amen. We turn now to the first part of the Bible passage that we'll be looking at from the first letter of Peter. And these verses are taken from chapter 2 and verses 11 to 25. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. And slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, 
and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. again on the reading from 1 Peter 
carrying on into the start of chapter 3. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewellery or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Having heard what Peter has to say in his address to wives and husbands, let's pray now for children and parents. Loving Father, we bring to you children, particularly those from broken homes or those who are adopted or fostered, that they will find the love and security they need. Grant them your peace. And for parents under financial and emotional pressures, who face having to make difficult choices for their families, guide their thoughts and decision-making. Grant them your peace. We ask that you will be with social workers and organisations that strive to bring families together. May love and deep understanding guide their steps. Grant them your peace. For those who find it difficult to discover their purpose in life, please guide or those who live each day without hope, be their hope and grant them your peace. Heavenly Father, for ourselves, in our families, whether we are children, parents, grandparents, brothers, sisters or cousins, grant us your peace in our hearts and in all our relationships. Amen. Have you ever experienced a degree of disconnect between what happens in church on a Sunday and the real world in which you live and work Monday to Friday? It can be hard to worship Jesus as Lord in church and then walk out of church into situations where Jesus doesn't appear to be Lord at all. Yet that was the situation of Peter's readers. 
In church, they would worship Jesus as the shepherd and overseer of their souls, the one who gave his life to redeem them so that they were God's treasured possession, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Come out of church, and they find their lives are dictated by an all-powerful and corrupt political regime. Many of them are enslaved to violent and abusive masters. Some of them are married to authoritarian husbands who use fear to control their wives. Where and how do they find Jesus to be Lord in those situations? The answer is Jesus is Lord in their hearts. And in adverse circumstances, Jesus is the one for whom they live. So, they submit to every human authority, but they do so for the Lord's sake. Servants submit to their masters, not because they're scared of them, but because they have a reverent fear of the Lord. Wives submit to their husbands, not because this is what the husband expects or demands, but because they want to honour God by having a gentle and quiet spirit. The key question for them is, what kind of citizen does Jesus want me to be? How can I serve Jesus in this household where I'm a slave? How can I honour Jesus when I'm living with a domineering husband? And for the husband, how does Jesus want me to treat my wife? In every case, the question is, how does following Jesus affect who I am and how I live in the real world? For these people, honouring Jesus was the only way they could avoid being dehumanised by the way other people treated them. When I read this passage, I'm struck by how privileged we are to be living in our society. In those days, powerful people felt they had the right to demand unquestioning obedience and they had the power to enforce that demand. Today we recognise that such an exercise of power is abusive. And for that reason, we have good reason, perhaps, to feel a bit uncomfortable with the way in which Peter doesn't challenge the power structures of his day. Yet if there is something for us to take home from this passage, it is that these early Christians did not compartmentalise their lives, honouring Jesus on a Sunday and forgetting about him the rest of the week. For them, Jesus was Lord of who they were and how they lived every single day in the real world. So the question for us is, what impact should honouring Jesus have as Lord have on our politics, in our workplace, in our home life? If he's Lord, he's the one we live for every single day.
Father, Son and Spirit, you are the God who loves freely, the God whose love is unconditional and infinite. You love each of us eternally. Enfold us into your embrace. Set us free to live each day for you. Amen.